Bust out your Bibles, cell phones. We're going to get ready to roll here. I'm just going to share for about 10 or 15 minutes. And this morning is a time when we're here because the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us here in healing. Um, Our healing team has taken a lot of time throughout the week just praying together, and we have a number of different words that people have had about what God wants to do uh, this morning among those that are here, and I'll share those in a second. But first, I just want to jump into a scripture here as we look at the God who we serve, and this God is here and wants to set us free this morning. How many of you want to be made free this morning? I know that I do. He's here to do it. All right. We're going to read um, John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. We'll go quickly here. And uh, as always, this is a lazy church. You don't need to even use your Bibles. It's right up here for you. And you can just follow along if you like. So let's read together John 8, 31, 32. Um, And uh, we read that John says this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. Everyone say believed him. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We have a God whose heart is to come into this world and make us free. And so he says here, he gives us a clue to how we can become made free. And so to understand a little bit more about how we can be part of this, we've got to understand the environment in which Jesus was speaking this and who he was speaking to. This he said shortly after the uh, famous account of how the woman who was caught in adultery was brought to him, stood up in front of him, and accused. And we have this, this scene here where there's a whole bunch of people who were gathered watching what Jesus did. And we could take a lot of time actually looking at what he did in that account. We're not going to do that this morning. But all these people were gathered watching Jesus, watching this account. And out of this group of people who were observing him, looking at this man, looking at his heart, there ended up a group of them after this account who were the ones who believed in him. Jesus came, and he came into the town, and he was teaching in the synagogue. Now, this is before the time of social media. They couldn't find out on Facebook that Jesus was going to be at the synagogue. No one knew where he was. They probably didn't know what he looked like, but they knew he was in the area, and the word had got around. There was this incredible person who was unlike anybody else. He didn't speak like anyone else. What he did was unlike anybody else. And he was going to be in their area. And he was likely going to be in the synagogue. So there he was. And people would begin to throng around. Word would go from house to house. Hey, this guy, Jesus, I think he's going to be here. Where's he going to be? It's at the synagogue. Let's go there. And so probably by dawn, people were beginning to gather around the synagogue. They were lining up. And there were probably hundreds, if not thousands of people. When this plot was hatched, by one of the three groups that were there to see if they could trick Jesus. So there were three types of people who were there at that time. Number one, we have the Pharisees. They were probably the smaller part of the group. So we're going to split you guys up this morning, and we're going to be in three groups of people. Is everyone okay with that? So over here, I'm afraid to say you're the Pharisees. I know. (laughs) For some of you, you get to feel what this is like for the first time. 
for the others, maybe not so much. I don't know. Um, so you were the Pharisees. Now, actually, you were a real small group of people, but you were powerful. You had a lot of power. Okay, not a good type of power, Joshua, but you were powerful. And you were afraid because you were going to lose potentially your position of power and authority over people because this man, Jesus, he wasn't about the type of power which the Pharisees had. He was not interested in that. didn't interest him. So this group of people was opposed to Jesus. Now, all the way on the other side here, we had another amazing group of people, and these are Jesus' disciples. Woo! Just give them a hand. They were the ones who had followed Jesus whose lives had been transformed through him, by him, and for him. They were also a relatively small group of people overall. There were those who were super close to him. There were those who had probably just started to gather around and were just captivated by him. And they were there. They didn't know what he was going to do that day. They had no idea. And they were watching. So he had been teaching, and they were all ears. And then at one point, we had the bad guys over here, the Pharisees. Boo! They bring forward this woman who they caught in the act of adultery. Don't ask me how. It doesn't matter, but it just happened. And here she was because their agenda was to destroy, literally take the life of one person to preserve their own, their own future, their own position, and their own destiny. And there they came, they brought her before Jesus. And so now we have the other group of people, which is by far the largest group of people, actually, and that's you guys in the middle. You were the ones who had heard of Jesus, didn't really have an agenda. You were mostly from the Jewish culture, and you were the undecideds in the boat. You are the undecided. You're the swing voters. On this side, we have the people that hate Jesus, want nothing to do with him. All the way on this side, we have the people who love Jesus. He's amazing, transformed their lives. And in the middle, we have a whole bunch of people that had the opportunity to look at this man, to listen to him, to watch him. And you had the opportunity to join this group and be the ones who had believed in him. You had the opportunity to believe. And so we know what happened, and we can preach on this another time because it's amazing. But Jesus, in the most masterful way, is able to turn this setup without words barely into a victory. And the very person whose life was going to be taken is preserved and repentant and one to the Lord. And the accusers of her walk away with a tail between their legs. And it's a picture, if you like, of what Jesus ended up doing for all of us on the cross. The ones who would have been unworthy, the ones who had done wrong, but their hearts longed for him. That he came and he took upon himself that shame, he took the punishment, and he saved the life of the one whose life should be taken because of what they had done. And so when the crowd observed this, we read later that many of them now believed in him. And their hearts were turned, and they made a decision, and they said, I don't want to be part of this, I want to be part of this. And they made a good decision, 
and they joined the right side. You guys, you can all give yourself a hand here. And so now he turned to them and he says this to those who had believed. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and that truth will make you free. And so for us today, if we are among those who have believed, we have a power in Jesus' words here that can show us how we can live a life where we are made to be free. And we're just going to take a couple minutes here and break this down and look at how Jesus wants to make us free. So let's break it down. He says, number one, if you continue, so we need to firstly continue. Number two, then you will know the truth. Number three, three, that truth will make you free. So let's look really quickly at what it is to continue here in his word. So that word continue uh, means to abide, to dwell, to remain in his word. So it's not really a task. It's more of a lifestyle. It's an outlook. It's, it's not doing something. It's knowing someone. So as an example here, my mother, when she was a young woman, she got to meet the queen. Pretty amazing. My sister ended up later on going to meet the queen. In actual fact, it's not really a big deal. There are thousands and thousands of people who have met the queen. But just because my mother met the queen doesn't mean that she knows the queen. So you can have an elementary understanding of things, but it doesn't mean that you know it in your, in your heart. So the Pharisees thought they knew Jesus, but they didn't really know Jesus at all. We read of the psalmist talking about this principle in Psalm 119. He says, with all my heart, I have sought you. I think we have it here. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Treasured. So how do we continue in his word? We have to treasure it in our hearts. Now, that word treasure is the same word. It's a Hebrew word, uh, sorfan. It's the same word here that is used of Moses' mother when Moses was born and she looked at this baby and he was beautiful and he was precious to her. And I think in her heart, she knew that there was destiny on this child. He was special. And although she had been instructed that every, first, every male should be killed, she could not give up this child. And the Bible says that she hid him, same word, she hid him, treasured him for three months. Why? Because he was precious. And so this, this treasuring of the word is when something which is so special to us, it's so, it's so important that we believe life hinges on it. We, 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 with such care, we keep it and we hide it and we protect it. We live by it. This is the treasuring of God's word in our hearts. So this is how we continue in his word. So when we do this, the Bible then says, Jesus says to us that we will then know the truth. If we can continue in his word, we can know it. So this is not just a, a knowing like, um, you know, I know my neighbor, but this is a knowing which is a powerful knowing. It's the same root word that's used when Adam knew Eve and they had 
uh, a child by that, so it's not really a casual type of knowing. Um, it's a very real and deep knowing. It's also the same word here that is used with the woman with the issue of blood who for 12 years suffered, and then with every ounce of faith, she risked everything to go and grab hold of Jesus' garment because she believed if she did that, she'd be healed. And then it says at that time, she gnosko, she knew in her body she was healed. She actually knew something was different within herself and her life was never going to be the same again. It was a transformative knowing. So if we continue in his word, we can know the truth. And then what Jesus said, the truth will make us free. So this is just an amazing thing. This, when I looked up this word here, it's a Greek, eleutheru. Sounds like kangaroo. I think it's of Australian origin. Dane would know something about this. Um, it's a really amazing word. It, 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 there, there's a connotation to this where something is done for us that we cannot do ourselves, but it requires first a submission. Jesus said, I will make you free. I will make you free. I will make you free within your soul. I will make you free in your spirit from everything that encumbers you. I will make you free in your body. That is what he does for us. Making free. The closest way I can explain what this is like is going back to a, an experience that I had about 21 years ago when I went to Six Flags. Who here likes amusement parks? I think I like them less now than I did 21 years ago, um, but I really liked them at the time. And I was there with Diana and a friend of ours, John O'Pingator, who's actually been to the church here a few times, and we were on Bible school together, and we decided that we want to go on this particular ride, which I can't remember what it was called then. You may, uh, you may remember. Now it's called the Dragon's Wing. So any ride called the Dragon's Wing, I think, is kind of foreboding. But for some reason, we wanted to do this. Some of you may have done something like this, but it's where you've got this huge arch, like as tall as the Eiffel Tower, practically, and then they strap you in, three people side by side into this harness with your arms by your side like this. And then they slowly hoist you up. You're on a giant swing and you come all the way up here and then they let you go. So we as you know, young, zealous people took a look at this and we thought, this is an amazing ride. We definitely want to do this. This is so cool. And it just looked great watching it. So here we go. There's myself, Diana, and Jono. And they told us that the more people you have, the faster you'll go. So we're like, well, how many people can we have? And they said, maximum three. So we went for, we'll have three people in this. So we got side by side, and then we were harnessed. We were strapped into this, side by side, into this like canvas straitjacket, basically, <laughs> with your arms by your sides. And then... They, they lift you off the ground, so you then just pivot and you tip down, and you're looking down. So I had been really excited and really zealous about this for, like, up until this point, and then you begin to experience a change of heart. But, of course, the change of heart that you experience happens after it's way too late. And so then we start hearing this kind of winching process as this cable begins to swing us back. 
And we start going on this arc. And so first of all, we're about 10 feet off the ground, then 20, then 30. And I'm like, I've been this high before. It's about you know, the height of a roof of a house. And then you keep on going higher, 40, 50, 60. And it's at this point that you begin asking questions to yourself, like, I wonder how old this, this webbing strap is, which is holding my arms in. Like, who stitched this thing up? Was it a Monday morning? Were they, were they tired and hung over? Or were, like, were they really diligent with this? And, you know, how many extra safety wires are on this thing? And so we came up higher and higher and higher. In the end, you're about 200 feet up. There's nothing beneath you. You're just staring down. And they're too concrete, yes. And so this is a tremendous sense of fear. Um, Yet, at the same time, there was a sense of exhilaration. And we had to give the cue at which point someone would tug on a wire and they would release us. And so there we were, 200 feet out of the ground, and all of a sudden it just seemed like, you know, what if they misjudged it and like the cable was actually longer than the structure? And what if we hit the ground on the way down? Do they, have they got this figured out? But there we were, full of trepidation, but someone yelled, go. And then at that point, myself, Diana, and Jono were all made free. <laughs> we were made free. And I realized suddenly that this is what I was made for. All these dreams I had of flying, it was what God originally intended. And I should live my life like this. As we, we just plummeted like a stone, we came zooming through the air, and I saw these little figures on the ground. I thought, I'm probably going to hit one of them. We came flying down, and they went soaring up again. And then we came back again, and it was one of the best feelings I'd had, being made free. But before I was made to be free, I had to submit myself to the process. I had to make a commitment. I couldn't move. And I had to completely trust someone else with everything. And once I chose to do that, or once I could not go back, once I had committed to go through to the very end, only then could we all be made free. And I want to share with you today that if you have believed, if you're in a group who have chosen to believe, and your commitment is to continue in His Word, and you've treasured that Word in your heart, that today, if you make a commitment to say, I'm going to submit myself fully to what you've said to your Word I'm going to go past the point of no return. I'm prepared to trust that today, in whatever area it is that you need freedom, God will make you free. He's promised it. He's capable of it. And he is ready and waiting to see it through. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me now. And Wes, if you can come up on the worship team. And we're going to take some time here to pray because God is here to set people free this morning. I want to 
I want to share a couple of different areas that the Lord has shared with us of what He wants to do this morning. Firstly, you may be listening to what's happened this morning, and you may be hearing people talking about how God Himself spoke to them, how He gave them knowledge that they couldn't have within themselves, and they shared this with other friends, and people's lives were changed. And you recognize that that's a relationship that you do not have with the God who created you. This morning, you can have that relationship with Jesus. And all you need to do is recognize that He is your Lord, He is your Savior, and that He came and died and took the punishment for every wrong that I've done, you've done, and everybody else. And by believing in Him, you can have newness of life. You can be saved from yourself and you can know Him today. If that's you, God wants to make you free this morning. As our prayer team get together, they shared with me that um, God this morning, He wants to heal someone's right hip. If you have any issue in your right hip, then God wants to heal you. If you have elbow pain, if you're here with elbow pain today, God wants to heal you. And I want to invite you to come up and receive prayer. If I can have the healing team actually come on up to the front here. If you have trouble with allergies this morning, the power of the Holy Spirit is here to see you set free from allergies. If you have chronic muscle pain, if you are struggling with hopelessness or depression or fear, God is here to set you free this morning. If you have any issue in feet or ankles, then there's power here for healing this morning. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to have the worship team um, play, and they're going to sing and just lead us uh, in worship. And so for those of us that are not coming and being prayed for, then we have an opportunity that we can just worship, and we can join with what God's doing in worship. But if you, if you can identify with any of the things that I've read, or you want to receive healing to find freedom for any other area, then I want to invite you to come right now. Come on forward, and we would love to pray for you and see you set free. So I'm going to hand it over to the worship team now, and let those of us who are not receiving prayer, let's just join in worship. And for those that want prayer, come forward.